The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. in Washington, D.C., and here is your top five at five. Back in vogue, investors pouring back into tech stocks, but one pro says the pain may not be over. Vote day in D.C., the House getting set to take up the $1.9 trillion spending bill. Texas, Back to business in a big way. What one restaurateur has to say about the path forward. Demand drop? New reports that Apple may be cutting production of one of its newest phones. And why many see the COVID vaccine as their ticket to ride. We'll tell you about it on this Wednesday, March 10th. And this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, I guess we should have said it's 5 a.m. in Boston as well. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening if you're in Boston or wherever in the world you might be watching. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Let us get right to it now and check the markets and your money after they boomed yesterday. The Dow has been continuing to move higher. It's up three sessions in a row, but the Nasdaq had been down four or five days. Big time reversal yesterday. It's best day since November. 90 of the NASDAQ 100, my math says that's 90%, rose on Tuesday. And all the names that had been selling off, Tesla, Zoom, Peloton, you know those names, they were the leaders yesterday. Tesla posting its biggest one-day pop in 13 months after a five-day slide, up nearly 20%. Let's go get a check on bonds as well, the yields of falling yields because the bond yields have been a big story, 10-year yields at 1.55%. Of course, how could we not have a crypto check as well? Bitcoin trying, inching to get back to those highs of February 2nd, which were nearly 58,000. We are seeing Bitcoin down just a bit, but still at 55,254. All right, sticking now with the markets and your money. And your first guest today to kick it all off says that even with the big move higher yesterday, the tech stock sell-off, may not be over just yet. Let's bring in RBC Capital Markets Managing Director and Head of Derivative Strategy, Amy Wu Silverman. Amy, great to have you on the program. Do your, does you, your team, your models suggest that the selling in the NASDAQ, these high growth, high valuation names, that that is over or is there more selling to come? Well, good morning. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And this is something we've watched closely, obviously a big question. But, you know, look, we focus on the derivatives markets. And so yesterday with the dramatic moves that we saw, we were quite interested to see what the options were saying this whole time. And what I thought was really interesting is through the entire rally back in your mega cap tech, in your momentum, whatever you want to call that whole bucket, uh, option skew. So that imbalance of put option demand relative to call options stayed very, very high. Uh, it did not come down as everything else rallied. And this is a total flip from the rest of the pandemic when 
call buying had actually spurred a lot of the momentum in these names. We did not see that yesterday. Uh, it was bearish sentiment and options all around. Yeah, and of course, you've got the stimulus plan, which is likely to be passed, which means that $1,400 checks are going to go out, not to, every, you know, to, not to every household, but to every person. We could see a lot of that money put into the stock market if the data from the last round is any indication. Do you think that will be enough, assuming it occurs again, Amy, to give the market maybe these type of stocks another leg higher? Yeah, it's a great question, you know, and every time I bring this up, I think institutional investors are like, you know, seriously, how how is this a thing? But the reality is, if you look, look at the last two rounds of these stimulus payments, they were heavily correlated to people going out and buying call options and retail. And this, this is not just in a GameStop or in a Rocket. This is, you know, across the board in these beloved names uh, that you're familiar with in Amazon or Netflix or Tesla. And one thing that I think will happen again is what are they going to put their money in? Is it going to be back in these names that they favored during the pandemic? Or is it going to be more of the recovery names like in the consumer discretionary energy or financial center? If they go back to their pandemic favorites, this has heavily influenced that option skew I had mentioned earlier. And there are secondary dynamics of that, obviously, which could drive the momentum back in the tech's favor. So I really do think it'll be kind of a wait and see until these checks hit two on any incremental rally there. Yeah, I wonder if these bets into some of these Reddit favorites, if you will, whatever you want to call them, heavily shorted names, do they influence the overall market? Or, Amy, are they kind of their own thing? So, you know, it's become tricky because it, I remember at the height of kind of the GameStop madness, you know, that Wall Street bets forum went from a couple million people on that forum to, I think, eight or nine. And so the reality is it's really hard to discern at some point, right? Because there are people who are following the forum and, and placing bets because of it. And then there are people who are watching those people place bets and are playing the momentum off of it. And that's where it becomes a little tricky to say, you know, who exactly is doing what. But I do think at some point it goes past this isolated incident. And obviously that's related to how much short interest is there in some of these names and become something larger. I do think at this point, though, that the community of institutional investors as well as dealers have become a little wiser to these situations. So if you look at the speed um, of some of these situations, for example, Rocket, you know, it, it came and went much quicker. But, you know, that being said, you know, GameStop is still rallying and you're still seeing names that are talked about in that forum uh creating uh you know momentum so I, I do think that cycle of call buying is something that will probably continue through the end of the year uh if not something that's frankly here to stay uh as something to watch out for when you look at the options market amy Wu silverman rbc capital markets a real pleasure to have you on nice and early at the top of worldwide exchange amy have a great day thank you very much take care All right, now to some of the top stories this morning outside of the markets, including a White House meeting on vaccines. Bertha Coombs is here now with those stories and more. Bertha, good morning. Good morning, Brian. 
President Biden is meeting with Johnson & Johnson CEO Alex Gorski and Merck CEO Ken Frazier at the White House today. The summit follows last week's announcement that Merck is partnering with J&J on manufacturing its COVID-19 vaccine. The CEO of Germany's BioNTech says his company, along with Pfizer, could increase manufacturing capacity to produce as much as 3 billion doses of their coronavirus vaccine. The pair currently have an order log of 1.3 billion doses and are in talks with the governments around the world to boost that by the, quote, hundreds of millions. And Alaska yesterday became the first state to make COVID vaccines available to anyone over the age of 16 who works or lives in the state. Alaska says it has administered more than 290,000 doses so far, with at least 119,000 being fully vaccinated. That means about 23.6 percent of Alaska's population has received at least one dose. Wow. Two great things about Alaska. They have moose and you can get a vaccine, Brian. They have moose there. You know, I've been to 49 states, Bertha. Alaska's the only one I haven't you been have. to. You tell me if I go there, I will see. Are you guaranteeing a moose? I, I own it. That's what I hear. Everyone I know has been there has seen one and I am dying to see one. All right. Sounds like Bertha's guaranteeing moose eye. Mooses. <laughs> Bertha. <laughs> We'll see you in a, it's early. We'll see you in a bit, Bertha. Thank you very much. Well, we are just getting started. And when we come back, Apple reportedly scaling down production of one of its newest phones. But why? We're going to speak with the team that broke that story. Plus, why investors say COVID is now the last thing on their risk list. We'll show you what is at the top. And as everybody's talking about reopening an RBI, you've got to hear about how some parts of America outside of New York and D.C. are really doing even now. Stick around. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome or welcome back. Dow futures up 118, but it is time right now for your big money movers. Three stock stories you need to know about. So, you know, we're going to tell you. Stock one, GameStop, jumping again this morning, now more than 125% over the last week. The Reddit crowd favorite, certainly on the move lately, up 15% right now. It announced the key executive would lead a committee focused on its digital transformation. Stock two, Disney. Its ESPN is reportedly close to a long-term rights deal for NHL hockey games. The Wall Street Journal says an agreement could come as early as this week. And stock three, ConAgra Brands reportedly in talks to sell its Hebrew national hot dog brand to Brazil's JBS. The deal could value at around 700 million bucks. A journal says a sale might also include the Egg Beaters and Odom's Pride Tennessee brands.
There you go. All right, turning now to shares of Apple, among those getting a big lift amid that tech rebound yesterday. And now a new report from Nikkei revealing the company is planning to slash production of iPhones in the first half of this year with one particular model from its latest iteration, big word, of the device in focus. For more, we are joined by Ken Moriasu. He is chief desk editor for Nikkei. Ken, welcome you and your team breaking that story here. What can you tell us about likely iPhone 12 production? Right, Right, thank you. Uh, We've learned that uh, Apple has told its suppliers, mainly in China and Taiwan, uh, that they're cutting their orders by 20% across all iPhones compared to last December's outlook, especially uh, iPhone uh, 12 mini uh, is um, suffering quite a bit, is what we hear. Yeah, is that just because that that phone itself, Ken, is not necessarily in demand, or is there any kind of a sense of a greater demand drop across the entire platform? Well, uh, I think there's a little bit of a miscalculation about the uh, iPhone 12 mini uh, in that it's uh, small, but it uh, couldn't really differentiate with the other models. Um, if you compare the iPhone 12 mini to the iPhone 11, they're about the same price. The iPhone 11 has a bigger screen, so consumers naturally kind of tilted to that there. Uh, iPhone 12 mini, of course, is a 5G phone, but the consumers really couldn't um, enjoy the benefits of the 5G quite yet because most of the base stations are still under construction. And also with the pandemic, people are not traveling, so they have more money to spend. So if they're going to buy the iPhone uh, 12 mini, they might as well spend $100 more um, by the actual iPhone 12 or even a few more bucks and then buy the iPhone uh, Pro. Ken Mariasu, Nikkei Desk Editor, coming to us from Japan. Ken, it was a pleasure to have you on on this story that you and your team broke. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Dotashimasu. All right, still on deck. Why Investopedia's latest survey says investors are looking well past the pandemic. We'll tell you what they are looking at. Plus, stock picker Joanne Feeney here with some under-the-radar names for you in travel and fintech. So grab a coffee, get your pens or pencils ready, and get ready to mark down some new stocks just for you. Dow futures up 115. We're back after this. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome or welcome back. It is time now for our daily vaccination check, where we stand right now in the U.S. and around the world, and it is looking better every day, folks. 61 million in the U.S. have had at least one dose. That is 24% of the adult population. According to the CDC, 94 million total doses have been administered. Now, states like Connecticut, New Mexico, South Dakota are leading the distribution and given estimated infection rates could be getting close to or are already at sort of that 60% natural immunity threshold. Numbers to watch. And the U.S. is looking very good on an international level. Only the U.K. remains ahead of us in terms of a percentage of population that has been vaccinated. Every other country, particularly those in Europe, are far behind. And as I posted last night, eight states now have cases 
down 90% from their highs of just two to three months ago. They include Iowa, California, Alabama, and more. I got the full eight states listed on my Twitter and LinkedIn. Check it out if you are so inclined. And as cases and hospitalizations crash and vaccines surge, investors are also looking past the pandemic. That's according to Investopedia's latest survey of the 1.5 million daily readers of its newsletter. And they also remain bullish. In fact, maybe as bullish as they've ever been. Maybe that's a reason to worry. Joining us now is Caleb Silver. He is editor-in-chief at Investopedia. Caleb, good to chat with you again. Listen, I like bullishness. But you and I do this. You and I both know that when everybody's on one side of a trade, sometimes it goes the other way. Do we need to be nervous that all your readers are at almost record bullishness? Yeah, it feels like everyone is tilting towards the same side of the boat, and we know what happens when people do that too often, Brian. But they're more bullish than a Garth Brooks concert right now, and we've been surveying them all year, and I've been talking <laughs> to you about it all year. They've been bullish since this thing began. Even after the first sell-off of 20 30 percent, they were scared, but they were still fairly bullish, and they've remained consistent through the entire year, up until the election when they got a little bit scared because of the uncertainty. But now that that's behind us, and as you just mentioned, the great vaccine news is happening. We're seeing economic growth. They see an alternative. They, they don't see much alternative turn of butt stocks right now. They're as bullish as they've been with 45% uh, bullish, which is higher than the 17% who said, uh, you know, they're bearish right now. That's the lowest level we've seen since last April. So a very uh, optimistic crowd here, as usual, who favor stocks and who think we have bigger gains ahead. Do we know why? What's driving the bullishness? Well, I think these are stock investors who have seen a lot of this before, but these aren't young people who are just getting in for the first time. These are folks who are in, you know, 30 to 65 years old across the country. So I think it's the, the fact that there are vaccines, the fact that we see economic growth, we're starting to see the turn in the jobs market, which has been very slow so far. Plus, folks have been sitting on some pretty enormous gains from 2020 and 2019, and they think that that's going to continue because low interest rates, they see inflation coming, and they're a little bit worried about that. But stocks is where they've made their money, and that's where they think they're going to continue to make their money in 2021. Yeah, we talked about the COVID risks, and who knows where this will ultimately go. There's a lot of scary talk out there still, and we could see all these surges, but cases now are down, and you're and hospitalizations, thankfully, and your viewers suggest that that more lockdowns or whatever are truly the least of their concerns. Give us the list of what they are worried about right now, Caleb. Yeah, we asked them what their biggest concerns were, and they're not. That's way down on the list. So their biggest concern is political uncertainty under the Biden administration and what might happen in the next three to four years on, under President Biden. Their next concern, you know, is some sort of a, a, bla a black swan event or they're concerned about, um, you know, bubbles, potential bubbles and higher inflation. And then then they're concerned about a black swan event, something coming out of nowhere like what we had in 2020. They're concerned about that. But the, in terms of COVID uh, lockdowns, again, that is so far down on the list. It's such a surprise turn from what we saw earlier in the year. But it makes sense given the vaccinations, although, as we know, we're not out, of the, out into the clear yet. Yeah, not, not just yet, but at least we, I think we can see the finish line, or at least based on the data anyway, Caleb. And cryptos. How could we not talk about cryptos, right? I mean, they're, they're going up nearly every day. Your readers are noticing and your readers are now more interested. I think 20 percent saying they're going to be buying more cryptos this year. 
yeah, and that's up a lot. That's up from single digits, low single digits earlier in the year. But they've seen the rise of cryptocurrency. They've seen what happened to Bitcoin with 485% returns in just the past year. And they're nibbling at it. At the same time, Brian, they're scared that that might be where the bubble is. Not in stocks, not necessarily in SPACs, so although those are on the list too. Not necessarily in high-flying IPOs. They think it's going to the bubble is in Bitcoin. They think the bubble is then in SPACs much lower. And then they think it's potentially in U.S. Uh, residential real estate. So very interesting perception. But these are very active investors who have pretty sizable portfolios that are very engaged in the market. They've been nibbling at Bitcoin, though they think it's a little bit frothy right now. Yeah, and they still like stocks, 53%. Some big numbers there. Always fascinating insight. Caleb Silver, Investopedia. Caleb, have a great day, buddy. Talk to you soon. You too. Thank you. All right. Still ahead. When the final frontier is just not enough. What billionaire businessman Richard Branson plans to do next. And a reminder, if you missed the show, check it out in our podcast. Available on all the primary podcasting platforms as well. Picture not included. And March is Women's History Month. We're spotlighting some of our CNBC contributors. Here's Sandhill Global Advisor CEO Brenda Vangelo with her advice on taking risks. For most women, we need to spend time investing in ourselves to find our own voice and to give ourselves credit for our own strengths and expertise. I think so often that men will raise their hand or ask for opportunity, even if it's at the fringe of their ability, while many women uh, choose safety instead of taking a chance like that. But I think for many, it can be very rewarding, personally and professionally, to take that chance, even though there is some risk of failure. Will the Tech Tuesday turnaround continue? Stocks soaring, but some still saying the tech run, yeah, it may be done. Put it in the bank. The House ready to sign, seal, and deliver the president's stimulus bill and checks to hundreds of millions of Americans are on the way. And as vaccines roll out, everybody wants to hit the road. We'll talk about getting out and unlocking that travel you know you want to take. It is Wednesday, March 10th. And this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back. And good morning. It's 527 on the East Coast. Hope you're having a good start to your day. Grab a cup of coffee, hit the treadmill. Or maybe if you're in, like, Europe, I don't know, grab a cup of coffee and hit the treadmill. All right. Let's get right now to your markets and your money. After the markets, boom, the Dow now three sessions in a row. But the Dow's been doing fine. The value trade's been kind of rolling on. It's the technology stocks everybody is focused on. NASDAQ coming off a sharp reversal for its best day since November. 90 of the NASDAQ 100 names rose on Tuesday. And the names that were super hot, then super cold, got super hot again. Tesla, Zoom, Peloton, those names, as well as some of the bigger names, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, you know them by now. Tesla posting its biggest one-day pop in 13 months after a five-day slide. And big tech, you can see, doing well. We'll see if that rolls on right now. And it is indicated it might. Futures, they are higher. Also, oil has been a red-hot story in 2021, up 35% just this year. We're a little higher right now, but kind of maybe it's tapered off a bit. WTI crude at 64 bucks, hitting now its highest level since even before the pandemic, following a boom in demand, cut in production, the recent attack on the Saudi oil port, et cetera, oil and oil stocks, by the way, they have been hot. 
Well, getting back, though, to what's on everybody's mind, and that is technology, the sector's best day in months. The question everybody seems to have is, could yesterday's move just have been a one-and-done type situation? Joining us now, advisors, capital management partner and portfolio manager, Joanne Feeney, and Clio capital managing partner, Sarah Kunst. Uh, Joanne and Sarah, good morning. Thank you both for joining us. Joanne, I'll begin with you. I know you got some really interesting individual names, but on a macro level, what did you make of yesterday's action? Well, Brian, good morning. You know, I think that we're likely to see a lot of choppiness in the market, particularly around tech. You know, what investors are, I think, doing is repositioning a bit to make sure they have decent exposure to a bunch of the reopening trades. You know, the banks, uh, the energy companies, some industrials, a lot of investors got underweight those last year uh, as they saw some of their tech holdings really appreciate, particularly some of those bigger names. And what they're realizing now is some of those high flyers from last year have gotten pretty expensive. They're rebalancing to get some exposure to some of the reopening plays. And that's going to cause these sell-offs that we've been seeing. But then, as yesterday, people recognize those sell-offs create opportunities for those investors who are underweight. Uh, some of that technology area where we're still seeing a lot of good secular growth opportunities. So I think we're going to see a fair bit of volatility as we see some big institutional investors rebalance and then others recognize that they need that exposure to tech in order to get that secular growth into their portfolios alongside of the reopening place. Yeah. And I guess, Sarah, you know, it's this, the question everybody has is, What's going to happen when we all start to get back out there? Now, I know a large part of the country is almost back to normal already. I get that. But for for us here in the Northeast, 40% of GDP, we're inching out. Do you think the the, the stay-at-home trade is indeed over? No, everyone, it's this huge fight of, well, you go back to the gym or, or stay on your Peloton. Nobody really knows. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing that in Peloton, right? Peloton was up again yesterday, uh, but it's nowhere near its peak. And, and you know, it, it's interesting that as the pandemic sort of winds down, as people are getting vaccinated, as people can go back to the gym, um, as the weather's warming up around a lot of the country and people can work out outside again, you know, Peloton is is at a place where the stock isn't performing as well, where the bike deliveries still take a long time. And while Apple is is really ramping up, you know, their at-home fitness offerings while Google's experimenting with some offerings. And so it is really, really hard to know if we're all going to go back to using our at-home gym equipment as, as a, an extra closet in a few months. Yeah, what do you think, Joanne? I mean, I guess that's, that's, that's the story. What's going to happen to the economy, to stocks, to earnings? Are we just going to ditch the Peloton by the side of the road? I went to a gym yesterday, honestly. It was mobbed. I don't think we're going to ditch the Peloton, but I think there's an awful lot of earnings growth that's already built into a lot of those stay-at-home positions. You know, I think what investors would be wise to do is to look a little bit longer term. You know, the the reopening is happening. Um, It doesn't mean that we need to abandon tech. Uh, By contrast, there's an awful lot of really good multi-year drivers that are still out there. I mean, look at the 5G cycle. It's just starting now. Look at where enterprises are spending who had to take a year off last year to save money. You know, Cisco, for example, uh, starting to see their enterprise customers coming back. So if you look longer term away from those stay at home trades, what you're going to find is a number of technology uh, possibilities that are really trading at attractive multiples. You know, in the 5G space, for example, 
Corvo is an example of a company that has a very attractive multiple well below the market, but much higher growth expectations than the market. You know, other ones in that space are Lumentum or Sienna. Qualcomm has traded off pretty sharply here, and it has many years ahead of it in terms of 5G because 5G isn't just cell phones anymore. 5G is industrials. It's medical equipment. Um, so it's across the market in a way that a, a cellular upgrade cycle never had before. So, you know, I think, yeah, the stay-at-home trades are seeing some pullback, as they probably should, given how high the multiples have gotten in some of those stocks. But there are still plenty of opportunities in technology. And I think, you know, investors like you know our investors, individual stock investors, are wise to pick and choose, look for growth at a reasonable price at this point. And now there are even more opportunities after the pullback we've seen so far this year. Yeah, and Sarah, where are you and your team finding opportunities? Is it SPACs? I mean, I think you, me, and Joanne should get together and start a SPAC. We're the only three people in America that I think don't have one at this point. Are, are you buying SPACs? Are you buying tech? If not, what, what, what do you like right now? Yeah, I mean, look, there is SPAC mania right now. Um, and and we're seeing as there are more and more SPACs, uh, they have to go earlier and earlier to, to find the companies to, to take public. And so you have companies going public with, with very low revenues that are popping to, you know, one, two billion dollars. And there's a huge question about if these companies are anywhere near ready to, to be public. And I guess we'll we'll find that out in the coming quarters, you know, and, and that's not the only thing that is sort of uh, going a little bit crazy right now, you know, when when Jack Dorsey, CEO of Square and Twitter, is is selling an NFT, a non fungible token of his first tweet, and the current bid is over two million dollars, right? To to say that you technically own a tweet from twelve years ago, you you start to get a sense that there is a retail investor right now who will buy and sell anything they can, or in the case of NFTs, can't get their hands on. Yeah, good discussion there. And SPAC mania, I think, Sarah, you nailed it right on the head. We'll, we'll see how this all plays out. I hope the best for everybody. But uh, 26 years of doing this, you get a little bit nervous. Joanne and Sarah, have a great day. Good conversation. Watching names like Peloton and Corvo. Joanne, thank you. All right, let's step out of the markets for just a minute, shall we, and get some other top stories this morning, including... The Democrats pushed to get that $1.9 trillion spending bill on Biden's desk today. Bertha Coombs has the latest on why that's probably likely going to happen. Today could be the day and the checks go out, Bertha. Yeah, I don't know if the checks go out today, but Brian, House Democrats are aiming to approve that plan today to allow the president to sign off on it by this weekend before key unemployment aid programs expire on Sunday. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer says lawmakers will take procedural steps this morning to set up final approval. Meantime, Roblox is set to make its trading debut today via a direct listing. The New York Stock Exchange setting a reference price of $45 per share for the online game company. Roblox was valued at nearly $30 billion after raising money in January. And don't miss the company's CEO on Squawk Box at 8.20 Eastern.
And he's at it again. A SPAC backed by Virgin Group founder Richard Branson is apparently looking to raise as much as $500 million through an initial public offering. That, according to Reuters, Virgin Group Acquisition Corp plans to sell 50 million units at $10 a piece on the New York Stock Exchange. According to the report, the firm is looking for potential acquisitions in its core sectors, including travel and leisure, financial services, and renewable energy. Of course, it already has one SPAC and is bringing public or uh, 23andMe through a merger. So very busy, Richard Branson. He is. And like I just said, Bertha, well, maybe the four of us now, you, me, Joanne and Sarah, we're the last four people in America <laughs> that don't have a SPAC. So we got to get on that. Or an NFT, launch. apparently. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, yeah, we'll, we'll make the SPAC also a non-fungible token and we'll sell this segment <laughs> yeah. for like 16 billion Bitcoin. Bertha, thank you. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> it's an interesting time, folks. All right. Coming up an RBI and an interview you can't miss. We always talk about the media reopening the country. Wait to hear how some states are not only just fully open, but booming. Yeah, hard to believe, but true. The data, you know, facts ahead next. Welcome back. It's time for some of the still largely closed states to get back to business. According to the CNBC Morning Consult poll, more than half of those questions say it is very or somewhat safe for the few states that are still largely locked down to get back open. Remember, half the states are pretty much almost back to normal. A huge part of that will involve traveling and vaccines will apparently be key to convince many of you to get to the road or take to the skies. Bertha Coombs is back with more on that survey. Bertha. That's right, Brian. After a year of pandemic restrictions, Americans are anxious to hit the road, and many see the COVID vaccine as the ticket to safe travel. Nearly three out of four travelers surveyed by the Points Guide travel site say that they'd be comfortable going to a destination that actually required COVID vaccination. Nearly half say they are somewhat or much more likely to travel to a, such a destination. Italy and Iceland are among them. 26% wouldn't be opposed to it, while about one in four are less inclined to travel under a vaccine mandate. But for flying or taking a cruise, there may not be a choice. We've heard from travel providers, cruise lines, that this could be a mandatory requirement for some of them. So I think a lot of travelers understand that this could be the new normal, at least for a while. Now, according to the survey, outdoor vacations remain most popular, with 70% saying they'd feel safe traveling to a national or a state park, about half to a public beach or a resort. Only one in five saying they'd feel safe going on a cruise. Older adults who have been vaccinated have already been flying at higher rates than younger age groups. Take a look at this chart, according to the Bank of America data. But they're booking, they're not booking hotels as much. They're mostly flying. Seems, Brian, that traveling to hug your grandchild tops the bucket list right now. And it's going to happen. Seen it, seen it with my own eyes at the airport, Bertha. People getting on the planes and saying they're going to see their families for the first time in a year. It's great, great news. Bertha, thank you very much. All right, well, today brings a major milestone in Texas. Beginning today, the Lone Star State ending its mandatory mask mandate and will allow all businesses to reopen 
at 100% capacity, although Governor Greg Abbott still strongly encouraging face coverings in public and the city of Austin still saying, you got to wear it. Let's talk about the state of business in Texas with Benjamin Berg, founder and CEO of Berg Hospitality, a restaurant group with nine locations across the state, somebody that we have been checking in with since the pandemic. Ben, it's uh, nice and early out there. We appreciate it. It's an important topic. And my RBI coming up in the next block, we'll talk about business in America. And I think it's, you know, I was just in Texas. It's shocking for us in the Northeast. I know you watch the national media and they talk about, quote, reopening the country. You guys in Texas, you're rolling right now. Yeah, good morning, Brian. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, Texas has really seen, I would say definitely since January, February, really starting to come back. And now, uh, you know, today is kind of our big day going up to 100% in all businesses, um, occupancy, and obviously there's the mask, man, the mask mandate has been lifted. But businesses, I mean, traffic is back here. Uh, everything really seems to be rolling back around. Yeah, are you surprised by the rapidity of the turn, Ben? And, and what exactly kinds of business trends are you seeing at your shops? I mean, we're, we're, we're a, a little surprised about uh, kind of how quickly it's coming back. We're kind of surprised about the mask mandate being lifted so quickly. Um, but business is definitely trending up. I have stores that are, 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 are positive over, you know, over last year, kind of before the pandemic hit um, in sales. And all the stores are just, they're just growing right now. Um, and you get this feeling that things are kind of coming back to life here. Yeah, they are. And, you know, it, the mask mandate is out there. And I know that it's a hot topic politically from a public safety perspective. I get it. Do you get the sense that most people are, are still going to have the masks on? Just are you seeing that anecdotally or is it just fully just toss it and move on? We're done with it. I think there's still people are still nervous. And when I was just there two weeks ago, I know the mandate was still in force, but I didn't see anybody without a mask on. You know, I mean, we, you don't see masks out in public at all, like out on streets or in parks. Um, but I would say in my restaurants that, you know, everyone's really been pretty, uh, I'd say, diligent about wearing masks. I'm sure there's people that are going to take them off. Um, you know, we're still going to require our, uh, our employees to be wearing masks. Uh, we'd recommend our guests to for the time being. Um, but however, you know, we believe in independent responsibility and, um, you know, we're in the, you know, we're in the business to say yes. Um, so we don't want to yeah, be that. So your employees but, will... but I, I think people, you know, people got used to it as well. Yeah. And so your employees will, will still be wearing them as well. And vaccinations. I know many of your servers may be on the younger side, Ben, they may, their, their, their number or their, you know, their list may not be up yet. Are you able to get them vaccinated now or a large part of your staff already or or ready to get vaccinated? Yeah, we actually have a large portion of our staff. They'll probably be getting vaccinated within the next week to two weeks. Um, I mean, for us, what we've seen here, the vaccinations have been going pretty smoothly. Um, obviously, our at-risk employees, our older employees, they've all been vaccinated and we've been able to help with, help with that. Um, we just hope our younger our younger employees will be able to get vaccinated as soon as possible. What do you like to see happen from here on out, Ben? I know we we still might have a ways to go. Cases, thankfully, are crashing. Hospitalizations are crashing. A lot of people are very nervous about what might happen in Texas because of that mask mandate. Although Iowa dropped its mandate a month ago and their cases are down 90 percent. 
That said, it's a sparsely populated state. I get that. What do you still need? What, what do you still need for the federal government, for the state governments, for the local governments? Where do you guys stand right now? I mean, I'm not sure as much we need from the government. We've, you know, we've been lucky. Business has been coming back. We've had a loyal following. Um, from a standpoint of our larger restaurants, like the steakhouses, the more, uh, where we really rely on corporate spending, you know, we need business travel again. We need, we need those expense accounts, dinners. We need, you know, we need the, the business entertaining back. Now, I mean, we don't really plan on seeing that till fourth quarter, maybe starting in October. Um, but that'll really start pushing us over, you know, kind of over the top of where we need to be back. Yeah, are, yeah that, that's a great point, Ben. Are you starting to get any sort of larger scale corporate catering events in per are people starting to poke around about hey you know in in july we want to have an in-person conference anybody poking around we're definitely getting i know you know some of the the larger energy conventions are looking to to start up again in august um so that's good news for us uh if they're really thinking about putting on you know we have ones here like otc and uh nape and if those are really coming back in august that that's that's really positive for us especially here in houston so, yeah, yeah but we're absolutely. breaking out the corporate park. card. Yeah, yeah the breaking out card. the corporate card at all the at all the B and Bs. We look forward to it. I look forward to it. Seeing you in person, Ben Berg. We appreciate your time. Nice and early, an important topic, Ben. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, it will happen. He's starting to get some attention. All right, on deck. Speaking of this, the RBI you've got to hear. I ran these numbers yesterday. Couldn't believe them. But they're true, and it's about what's happening with some restaurants in Texas and other parts of the country. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. If you missed Worldwide Exchange, check it out on Apple, Spotify, or any of the other major podcasting apps. And be sure to tune in tonight. CBC's On the Edge, 6 p.m. special with Scott Walker. We're back right after this Dow Futures Up Night. It is time now for your morning RBI, and today we continue to focus on vaccine optimism and that light at the end of the tunnel. And I know we in the media love to use the term reopen when it comes to the American economy, but honestly, that's a little bit lazy of us. Because as somebody who has seen a large part of the country even during the pandemic and lockdowns, I went to 15 states, I can assure you that how we are living in the Northeast is not how many are living in other states. It's not a judgment, it's just the truth. Case in point, Going out to eat, many wonder how fast it might come back once many still partially closed states keep opening back up, like Connecticut just did. Well, this might bring some struggling restaurant owners, hotel owners, workers, whatever, some comfort. According to the latest open table data, there are three states right now whose reservations are now higher than just before the pandemic hit. That's right, higher than before everything really went sideways on March 11th. I'm looking at March 7th data year over year. Here they are. Texas, reservations. You just heard Ben Berg talk about it. Up 3.5% from March 7th of 2020. Oklahoma is up 5%. And I predicted every hotel room booked in Vegas will be sold out by Labor Day. I'm going to be wrong. It might be Memorial Day. Nevada, restaurant reservations up 19 percent above pre-lockdown levels. Again, those are only restaurants that use open table. 
So there's a little caveat there, but that's the data. For comparison, D.C. still down 66% from last year. New York down 56%. To be fair, though, those positive comps we just showed also may be a little skewed because even around March 7th of last year, there were some people, remember that, starting to get nervous and changing plans, although flying was the same year over year. So the comps may not be perfect. We know that, but that is incidental. The reality is that those places that we just showed are bouncing back in a big way. Ben Berg just talked about it. And hopefully cases and hospitalizations will keep falling and provide some much needed hope for the small business owners and employees in this, the hardest hit of industries, hospitality, travel, tourism. That data may be giving us a little bit of reason to be optimistic, and that's a good thing. All right, back down to the market. Stocks keep looking to keep looking. Stocks are looking to help keep yesterday's rally going, he said. I got a little worked up on that. Keith Lerner joining us down to talk more about it. Keith, you know, it's it's an emotional subject. We all probably know people that have been affected health-wise or business-wise. And, you know, I'm not trying to be glass half full. Sullivan, I get it. My Twitter posts are a little bit on the optimistic side. I don't think hope, to quote Shawshank Redemption, is a bad thing. I think it's something we could all probably use a little of now. Does the does the stock market need hope? I think the stock market has has had hope already. I mean, we have the fastest start to a bull market in history. The economy, as you just mentioned, is spring-loaded. Um, we're seeing a recovery in earnings, and we're seeing interest rates move higher as well. So, you know, in, in our view, um, we are still in a bull market, but we are moving to the next phase of the bull market, which is a, is a choppier phase, but still a positive phase. And the other um, important point is, uh, the, the stock market rises about 85% of the time when the economy is in expansion. And one of our big theses over the last year is that earnings are underappreciated. And we still think that, you know, earnings have more to go on the upside. You know, the last time we saw our economic growth this strong was back in 1984. And most analysts haven't lived through like a boom economy yeah. like we're going to see later this year. Yeah. So, OK, the economy is going to boom. I think we all agree on that if it's not already starting to mm -hmm. now. But where do we put money? Where can we make money in the stock market, Keith? What's not overvalued? Well, yeah, this is all a relative uh, game, right? So, uh, you know, overall, our strategy is we're, we're still overweight equities. We've been overweight equities over the last year. We still like the U.S. globally. Our sector strategy has shifted from last year where we were much more growth oriented. Over the last several months, we've shifted more towards a cyclical bias. Um, we still like financials. We still like energy. We still like materials. Some of these sectors on a short-term basis have gotten overheated. As those areas consolidate, we would look to add to more money there. Um, you know, tech's been in the news quite a bit the last uh, week or so. We downgraded mm -hmm. tech last, uh, last month. I will say we just had the biggest underperformance on a one-month basis since January of 2002. So I expect a bounce there, but we would be lightening up on that bounce and rotating more to the, towards these other areas. And one last area that we've liked for some time uh, where we've been overweight is small cap. Same thing, a bit overheated short term. Yeah. We would stick with them and use pullbacks to add to that area based on some of that small uh, business optimism that yeah. you mentioned in the forefront, Brian. Well, we like it. Optimism, not a bad thing. Love your morning notes. Some of the best in the business. Keith Lerner of Truist. Keith, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Look to the small caps. And folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Hope you have a spectacular day wherever you are. Squawk Box is next. See you tomorrow.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.